Everybody and welcome to episode 407 of the Saturn Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again this week by my uh, cursed co-hosts, Peter and Jake. Truly a tragic tale of of podcasting. Of just um, gross incompetence. <laughs> yep. Uh, because I'm coming at you this week, just I'm barreling directly towards you this week. <laughs> the Antiques GoPro edition. Antiques GoPro? Lit, watch in first person. Experience the thrill of taking your grandma's orange juicer and finding out that's worth a whopping $15. I, I, is, so I have to ask this because it's you. Did you discover on YouTube a FOV antiquing series called antiques gopro uh unfortunately no not okay. until you said as much <laughs> um i was i was just i was just playing free word association letting my language center just kind of steam <laughs> and and overcook uh while we while we have conversations if if you're new here the reason why i said because it's peter i have to ask is because of his own volition, not even as a bit for a show, just because he wanted us to see, shared a review, a review of a guy who's reviewing sardines and is just really goofy. I, res- <laughs> I respect his charisma. Um, <laughs> first, I'm going to look up first-person Antiques Roadshow. So Antiques GoPro would not surprise me. <laughs> I feel like, Pawn Stars has become the new Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> Pawn Stars is like the fucking Antiques Roadshow for the lowest common denominator. <laughs> it's just like Antiques Road, bro. It's the, we've got Antiques Roadshow at home. <laughs> I just I just love the Pawn Stars like formula. Like and I know everything is set up. Like people don't actually just walk in there and they're just like filming their everyday, like the day to day. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, every, every other day, like, we get a Civil War pistol coming in here. Um, and they set that, mm. all sh- that all that shit up. But it's just nice to be like, oh, yeah, I got my, I got my Optimus Prime ancient uh, pistol replica guy. Mm. Like, oh, I want standby. Let me go yeah. get him. You mind hanging out here for three hours? He's, <laughs> yeah, he's sure. He's got to drive in Absolutely, from bro. Schenectady, but, like. <laughs> whatever Schenectady that's where like uh, Doc Ock is from I appreciate from. the shout out <laughs> got you guys Schenectady's like, greatest supervillain Dr. Also, Otto Octavius it's also apparently a great movie <laughs> what a place behind the pines <laughs> no Schenectady oh no nothing oh Schenectady New York read that indie movie yeah or is Schenectady New York that's what it was is that what it was I forgot yeah. what the, the guy's name was, but he's a uh, he's a guy who died who was an actor. Womp womp. I don't know any more information about him because I forgot him. I think he was in uh, Hunger Games for a minute. So I would love to tell you where we are, but uh, the thing that popped into my brain and that kept on taking over from time <laughs> to time doesn't really have a good setup, so I'm just going to go with a really shitty one. 
If you have any problem with it, send us an email. I mean, I don't know when not having a good setup has ever stopped you before. <laughs> That's my only real objection yeah. to this. <laughs> We're coming at you, and it's not related to the movie that we watched. Because I don't have anything for that. I don't want to have anything with that. There's, I want to forget it. There's no safe it. space. I'm yeah. sad. I want to go eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's after that shit. Um, we're coming at you live, as always, from the set of Beyond Belief, where we're going to listen to Jonathan Frakes tell us we made it up. Everything was a lie. You're wrong. We're, yeah. So is didn't happen. For, is this your first time discovering this clip, Jake? No, no. I I used to okay. watch this. Because it's about to say because Peter and oh. I have been on that ish for like four years. No, I <laughs> I, I saw it recently and it, it it brought back good shit for All me. Right, yes, that's good. Um, All those pretty... are well, the ones where he tells you you're right aren't that great because it's it's less varied. But the uh, Jonathan Franks asks you questions is great. <laughs> <laughs> Was this? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember beyond belief. Did he like? Was there a skit that like happened where it'd be like this outrageous shit, like um, like a thousand ways to die style? Yes, it was and basically a reenactment. That yeah. kind of show, you'd have yeah. a reenactment, and it could either be based on a true story or something they made dude, up, that's... and you had to guess. Dude, TV was fun. There was no reason. <laughs> there, there was no benefit to being correct, other than I guess bragging rights. But the people who watched the show were watching a sci-fi channel at like two p.m. Probably by themselves because they're yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me, I was I was that guy watching sci-fi channel at two p.m. It was uh, Your... it was it was after I got done finishing um. Uh, channel 43 which was abc family and uh what was mm-hmm. was that like a growing pains or was watching urkel uh family matters <laughs> it's about so, yeah. to say that's not the name of the family. show you well know, actually you know it wouldn't shock me if there was a family matters spinoff just titled urkel uh, do i i know right like urkel goes to college yeah. and has to hide the corpse of his girlfriend and because he accidentally killed her or something that's like that. <laughs> That's oh, that's no. the what that's the it, right place to I take that. that. What if they had Young Urkel, and it's like it's a heartwarming <laughs> drama instead of a comedy? Young, you Urkel. belong I, in TV. I know. I'll make a killing. Like I, that was crazy. The I don't know. Maybe it wasn't that crazy. The Super Bowl where they were like, it's the final season of Young Sheldon. I'm like, it made it to a final season. My God. Okay, all right. I mean, it was a spinoff of a very popular television show for okay. some reason. <laughs> I'm just going to I'm just going to put this out there. Young Sheldon's good. Now, you may take my podcasting license away from me. But I'm just going to put this out there. Clips that I have seen, I have not watched them out about Watcher. So, it may be interspliced interspliced with the most jarring writing ever. But goddamn, the clips that I saw, they were whimsical. I they saw were the, clever. The only clip I saw was the commercial where, like, he says Bazinga for the first time, and it's supposed to be like a, he's done it, he's yeah. finally made it. <laughs> dun, dun, and it's like the, dun, dun. the young shell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's his origin story, and it's young shell. It's like the character's like Bazinga. Oh, dude! Now, I I watched that clip just the other day. He he got he went to I think he went to a joke he must have went to a joke store, um, 
and bought a bunch of uh, like old practical jokes, like um, the the snakes in a can, yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. the, the 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 bubble gum that's on a, a little buzzer thing, yeah. <laughs> and he went around. He went pranking people. He's like, "Dad, you want some gum? <laughs> Here, it's spearmint." And he's like, "Oh, sure." He grabs it. Mazinga! It's not impossible that the spinoff of a television show is better than the show it spun off from. There's precedent for that. I know, but you wouldn't expect it from Young Sheldon, right? Like that. I don't. I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't. But I don't know. Every they they put that Southern charm on there. They talk about brisket. You got a fat dad. They're hitting all the notes. That's that's all you need, Jake. (laughs) They're hitting all my notes. Let me tell you. Oh, he got a fat dad, lacking brisket. <clears throat> we put some southern antics in there, talking about a rodeo with an acoustic kid, bringing up the rear. Damn, you got a good show. Oh, shit. The brother, living in a conservative family, gets a girl knocked up out of wedlock. Oh, hee-haw. We got ourselves a rodeo. <laughs> I want I want Cowboy Jake now. <laughs> I'm ready for, for Cowboy Jake. <laughs> Um, Dude, believe me, so is Kristen. <laughs> hey, hey, yo. Boom, bazinga. Jake's going to just show up one day as Slim Pickens, and that's just how he's going to live the rest of his life. <laughs> oh, shit. Never mind all that shit. Here comes Trey Watch. Uh, I will leave y'all. Go to r slash bing bong theorem for a meme experience that you won't forget. Um, I'm not going to say anymore. We're going to talk instead about trailers. Um, there's, there's a few, there's a few that came out this week. There's a few and, um, quite a few interesting ones, I guess. I, good, maybe not, not so much, but interesting nonetheless. Um, not sure where we want to, where we want to start on this. I like to go weakest to uh, strongest. Uh, Dogman. Dogman. Dogman is is a very interesting. It's French, right? Thing. It's, a, it's a French movie. I'm assuming. Yeah, it's it's Luke. It's Luke. It's Luke Besson, um, hmm. who uh, is the director of Leon the Professional, Fifth Element, um, I think Atomic Blonde. Um, Buffem Nikita. He's got a lot of credential. Lucy. Um, he's got a lot of credential yeah. in this arena. Uh, sure. So this is his next like weird action movie. And it stars a man who's really obsessed with dogs and dresses yes. in drag to kill people. Um, yeah. Yes. Dog loving murderous drag queen. Why not? <laughs> I mean, I personally can't wait until conservative twitter gets a hold of this <laughs> and they they just lose it and are like oh my god i'm telling they had you to wait to- <laughs> the the woke trans are will kill you with dogs and guns we've been they had tell- to wait till tucker was out of the country to release this one <laughs> yeah, right. this is uh probably <laughs> the most french movie that's ever made it to american it's shores pretty french. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i would say it's pretty french uh pretty sure they got a good they got a good actor to play the cigarette so um 
I, I I don't recognize their name, but I mean, people. I mean, there is a lot of smoking going on. There are a lot of people getting smoked in this trailer. A lot of people smoked, and a lot of people smoked. It is a yeah. So like all like the what do you call them the the lines the the from the quotes from different magazines or outlets. Pull quotes. Pull quotes. Yeah, they're all glazing this up like crazy. Um. Well, I mean, you're not going to put negative pull quotes in your trailer. You know, why not? Why not? <laughs> this Let's movie fucking the- sucks. Let's get the IMDb users out here. I, honestly, couple- that would I would appreciate a movie that had the balls to use IMDb user reviews in their marketing. And do our system. You have six pull quotes in your trailer, two from 10-star reviews, two from one-star reviews, two from <laughs> so somewhere in the middle. 10-star. Wow, very good. This is definitely not AI-generated. One-star. Shit was hot garbage. I hate black people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Whoa! It, huh? it do be like that sometimes. You really just hit the speed run. <laughs> and by sometimes, I mean all the time. Every I thought time. this was a trailer for Minions 5. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jews will not replace us. <laughs> the Minions are clearly meant oh. to be an analog for the Jewish people. <laughs> One of those extremely long, like, in-depth yeah. or <laughs> Oh, oh my God. And then... You know, by pure happenstance, one of them would just happen to have the entire Andrew Jackson coffee bust. Yes. <laughs> oh, just the just filling up the screen. I lo- I do like a lot of the comments here who were confused, who thought this was going to be uh, a trailer for David Pilkey's Dogman. David Pilkey being the guy who made Captain Underpants, uh, Dogman being another one of his children's books for kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right, kids. Make sure you have a parent around when you're typing in Dogman later into your Google search, your Bing search bar, your DuckDuckGo search bar. Be careful typing yeah. in Dogman. Um, yeah. Um, safe search on for all yeah. you kitties out there. Please. Uh, yeah, of course, if, if you're not old enough to be watching the Dogman trailer, you certainly should not be listening to the show. <laughs> I'm the Dogman. Um, which brings us into another weird movie, um, Boy Kills World. Yeah, I'm yes. not sure what to think about this. It's uh, it's like action horror comedy. Um, it's got an interesting. Well, it's not really a, that interesting a premise. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's been done before. It's honestly kind of like a cross between. Uh, Fury Road and the Hunger Games, um, yeah. with a little sprinkle yeah. of the Purge in there for maybe for a little, maybe a little Kill Bill. I don't know. So yeah, and, it's, 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 a, yeah. Yeah, it's a bland premise of kid wanting to get vengeance for his family but, being killed. But uh, the, the twist, the or the not the twist, but the the uniqueness part of it is he's uh, mute and yep. deaf. He's got ain't he's. <laughs> He's made his inner monologue H. John Benjamin. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the fact that it's Bill Skarsgård with an inner monologue of H. John Benjamin makes it. Uh, that's that's gonna. That's pretty much the selling point of this movie. It's pretty quirky. Yeah. It's 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 kind of. It's in an interesting place artistically. 
because um, the the flashback scenes of like the society really like super hyper stylized. I'm talking like Mandy levels of of really mm-hmm. strongly stylized of maximum conditions. Color. And then yeah. there's there's some scenes of the movie that look a little more like something like The Raid or Dread or you know something kind of lower budget. Uh, set in a crumbling city because it's it's a cheap set to make, and then when you're when they're training, it looks a lot like something like Kickboxer Vengeance, like or yeah. Jujitsu, a low budget action movie. Um, so it, I, I guess it's going to change styles up uh, throughout its its run. We'll see if it it manages to strike a good balance with that. Um, it is from executive producers Sam Raimi, so um, yeah. There's there's okay, that. Mean, uh, nothing else. It'll be off the wall. He's yeah. It, there, Sam Raimi's never gonna go. He's never gonna reach the lows of um, Crime Wave. Um, um, again, yeah. <laughs> the bar. There's a bar there. You so that's. Surf over it every time. That hits theaters April twenty sixth, so we won't have to wait too too yeah. long for that. To yeah, it please. should be. It's um, if nothing else, the the actual action scenes um, appear to be rather well done. Yeah, I did see a little bit of slow mo. I don't know how present that is going to be throughout the movie. Um, it's it, going to be. I don't think it's going to be like Sucker Punch or three hundred, <laughs> but it'll be in there. Oh. Specifically, a couple of Zack Snyder. I wonder if that's his MO. <laughs> so, any anything below Zack Snyder level, I think, is, is acceptable. Um, if it if it encroaches on that, well, level, I, I think you might want to be like maybe a, a a tick back from the Matrix. Yeah, that'd be that'd be probably acceptable. Um, so we got a couple bonus like second trailer that I don't yeah. really want to talk about. Uh, there's um, a Civil War 2 trailer. There's another challenge. Sorry, the premise of that I, movie makes me giggle. <laughs> Civil War trailer 2. Sorry. Not Civil War 2. 2. Yeah, I, I, I thought mean, the same thing when I saw II. the thing. But it is pretty much, it might as well have been called Civil War 2. That would have been, actually, that would have been pretty funny. That would have been yeah. kind of accurate. I still don't know what, I know the premise, but I don't know the plot. Like, is there going to be a main character? Is this going to be like a vignette type of deal? Um, I don't know. I don't know yeah, what's going to happen in this movie, other than like, oh, the, the U.S. is in civil war again. Well, I mean, this trailer starts off with the the press girl. I don't know. I didn't really remember her too much from the original trailer, but it might follow her story going around the country trying to document the civil war. But um, yeah, because I don't know how much of this is going to be like the actual. I guess soldiers fighting in the, the war, or if this mm. is just gonna hop around, and be like, this is yeah. the kind of story we're telling. But it might be yeah. kind of like an anthology story. It might be kind of like a faux documentary. Uh, hard to get a real feel from what's in the trailer here. It's, I mean, from the trailer, it looks kind of like a regular movie. But to Peter's point, there's no real uh, character that's pushed or really anything Mm -hmm. to drive the narrative other than like the premise which obviously is not going to take 
a movie like this very far. Right. Um, that's that's a good writing prompt. Um, it's it's all about what you build on it. So I I still wait. What's this we'll wait till it comes out? Kind of a weird movie for a twenty four though. This is kind of a little yeah. bit outside their wheelhouse. Uh, they did one similar to this somewhat recently, uh, kind of playing on current events and, and tensions when they made that other movie about a pandemic, and it was like COVID-23 or something like that. Oh, yeah. Or, that was an A24 movie? Ooh. Yeah, I think so. Um, so there's Like, no that wasn't the plot. whole plot of the movie, but that was the backdrop of it. There's no uh, mm-hmm. extended plot summary, but it does say it does just say an adrenaline fueled thrill ride through a near future fractured America. God, oh, what sentence is this? Does this seem like it's just too? It's it's keyword. It's, it's yeah. SEO. Um, yeah. Oh God, yeah. fuck this! An adrenaline fueled thrill ride through a near future fractured America, balanced on the razor's edge. The only thing I can say about this movie for sure is that when it comes out, people are going to be angry about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure. I'm not sure why, but they will be. <laughs> Outrage-driven engagement. Here we go. Yeah. Um, I, you know what speak. would be cool, though? If all the, the people clamoring for another civil war... Who's clamoring like, for another civil dude, war? Dude, all the hogs out there are like, we're going to have a civil war the fucking, take it back the from shaman. the shaman. Yeah, they're like, we need to have another. The QAnon war. shaman. Well, it's all the people who are going to be like, it's going to drive us to civil war. That's what it's going to take. It's like, they're saying it like it's a, a bad thing, but they're like, I fucking can't wait. All Sign the, me up in the local militia. All the Texans who move there from California are going to be super pissed when Texas and California ally <laughs> both succeed. Right. Shit, I just Austin left you. takes over Texas. <laughs> they just yeah. push Greg Abbott into a down a flight of stairs. <laughs> they catapult <laughs> him off a wind turbine. Cut the uh, cut the brake line on his wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> throw a throw a stick in his spokes. <laughs> Hot Wheels, oh, as my my sister called them when she lived in Texas. Hot Wheels. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, he would be uh, hot if he could stand. Um, yeah, but um, yeah. Quick. <laughs> yep. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, we got the Sasquatch Sunset TV spot. I only bring this up because of the one YouTube comment, um, which I I really enjoyed. Was just maybe movies should stop for a while. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Doing a segment weekly where I watch a lot of, like, every trailer that major and minor studios shit out, um, I can agree with that. I think movies just need to take take a couple years, really figure their shit out, and then get we'll back to good. me. We'll be good. We'll go through the backlog. Yeah, we got plenty to keep us occupied. <laughs> yeah, I, dude, this is, this is the type of movie just, that I feel like they're just going to... They're just gonna go the extra mile with like the the baby Sasquatch being born, and just show us it all. Just this is another one of those movies. Yeah, they're gonna yeah the full. There's the gonna full be a joke where like, like four Sasquatch of them birth scene, four of them yeah. try to gnaw off the placenta. Yeah, in graphic detail. Like, honestly, this feels like another fake movie in a CSI episode. <laughs> like the producer gets murdered, and it's like. Yeah, he was working on the set of Sasquatch Sunset. No, this is this is even 
too goofy for that. This is like a fake movie on an episode of 30 Rock that like yes. Jack is trying to launder money with. <laughs> yes. Yes. Liz, in Sasquatch Sunset, it's going to take the world by storm. Ari Sasquatch Sunset. <laughs> and it just smash cuts to, to like fucking Tracy Morgan just going. <laughs> yeah, so, I can um, see it. I can see it very clearly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to get into some of our yeah. better looking movies. Um, yes. Surely. <laughs> Debatable. Um, well, oh, uh, sorry. Then th- probably one of the better movies of this list. Um, mm-hmm. Surely looks like it's going to yeah. be critically acclaimed for being uh, pretty solid. Um, I don't know how good this is going to be. It's a biopic of, what was it? Shirley um, Chisholm? Yes, Chisholm. Um, I, I did not again, this is that. a story. This is a story I did not know. Um, I probably saw it in a it's, did you know like headline. This not one I'm super a, familiar it, with either. This was a bit. Um, I cannot remember what bit it was, but oh, fuck. it was like some political. I think it was like a like a historical anthology series or something like that on like Netflix or some shit like that. Like a did you know historical events. Was this perhaps uh, narrated by fellow Amanda Kunk? Yes. That's what it was, I think. Was it was it <laughs> No, was it? No, I don't think so. I don't think, think so. so. I don't remember that. Oh, unless God. unless we're talking about pump up the jam and I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Oh, God damn it, because I heard this story about Kunk her. Across America or whatever. Um, so I th- think... Uh, I completely lost my train of thought. Anyways, I'm not... I'm not uh, oh, this... I fucking was right. Okay, History of the World Part 2. That's right. Uh, I started watching that. I never finished oh, it. It didn't really okay. leave a huge mark on me. But this, I remember. They had a bit about... Um, uh, Shirley, Shirley, Shirley Chisholm, and uh, they had a bunch of other political figures um, in it, and they the, the skit was it was like set up like an old '90s um, TV show, and it was you know they were doing a lot of things for the hahas when uh, I guess she had a pretty dramatic run for uh, presidency, um, yeah. as this movie is going to um, touch on a lot. Well, yeah, for it's a, a, it's a, for a political biopic, it seems. Her. Pretty, pretty energized. Yeah. Um, a lot of them seem that way in the trailer, and some of them come out that way. Like I would say, milk was was fairly. Well, no, they they don't really translate to be energetic over the course of the whole movie, uh, but the trailers often cut that way, um, because you know they're trying to sell the movie. Uh, it's mm-hmm. been it's been a rough spot for biopics recently. A lot of them have come out. A lot of them kind of about high profile people, um, or, yeah, or corporate the... products. And you know you've had your good ones like Oppenheimer, and then you've had a lot of not so great ones. What was the one that we were talking about like a few weeks ago about the um... the Amy Winehouse one? No, the NAACP activist. Oh, was... um... right. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't um, even remember the name. Like it was, it looked interesting, but it just kind of came and went, and I, I slipped from my memory. Yeah, we've got um, you know we'll we'll touch on spoiler alert. We're going to touch on a biopic in uh, the follow up that's not doing so hot critically, and a lot of them haven't been doing so hot critically. It used to be a pretty easy cash grab, grab make make the biopic mm-hmm. about the you know the figure from a marginalized group and uh rake in the dough see Rustin. rocket man and Rustin. rhapsody yeah. uh i think this does have the other half of that equation which usually uh, the equation is two parts you have the this the interesting historical story and a main actor who wants to really flex their chops and i think we have you know with regina king here i think she really i think she's hungry for some you know a really uh uh role where she can show her uh skills she's popular i don't this is i think this is also the last movie with lance reddick um yeah, it's gotta be one was, of them it's gotta be. i was thinking i'm like this is gotta be one of his last ones he may have like um oh let's look and check because i'm on imdb and he's right here hello lance um credits uh, Zeus is he's in one episode of the Percy, Percy Jackson the Olympians interesting um, as Zeus I'm looking I'm wondering if they're oh upcoming here we go uh, there is Kite Man hell yeah um, he's in one episode of that playing the voice of Lex Luthor oh right the uh, Kite Man spinoff because we knew yep. that yeah uh, Ballerina 2025 that sounds like an action movie um <laughs> well no yeah. it's probably I, I, some I, dumb I, yes, shit I'm like a... <laughs> yeah i'm with you like i laugh in that i totally see why you under why you would think that and i, I i'm on the same train of thought I'm like yes ballerina of course it's a it's a cheeky action movie it's, yeah, um, we got the, the beekeeper this year <laughs> ballerina is the john wick spinoff i believe or one of the john wick spinoffs and Lance, that makes sense. Lance that was in that tracks, episode. yeah. Um, Ap, uh, Apteros and St. Sebastian, all in post-production and completed. So he is he's in five projects that we will see over the course of the next couple of years. That's that's just so crazy to me. Like the amount of the, like the how the movie pipeline now is such that uh, like when did he when uh, did he pass? Um, Last year, I think. Yeah. Was it the beginning of 2023? It was like... Oh, wasn't it when John Wick was like out? Uh, March 17th, 2023. So that almost sounds a right, year. yeah. Well, no, I, um, I read that right off of... But <laughs> the fact that it's it's almost been a, a year posthumously... Like, uh, you know, more than a year posthumously, five product, prod, prod, projects still in the pipeline. That doesn't... That's not... That's surprising when you really think about it. Um, on average, a movie is going to go through about like two and a half years of total production from pre-production to uh, release and shooting is maybe six weeks of that. It's, um, yeah. So if you go to his, uh, um, like it was around John Wick chapter four coming out that um, he passed. Uh, he had Horizon Forbidden West, Burning Shores, White Men Can't Jump, Invincible Adam Eve, The Kane Mutiny Court Martial, uh, Hellbow, 
Hellboy, Web of Weird, uh, Bosch, mm-hmm. Legacy, Macaw, Percy Jackson, The Olympians. Eight, eight, nine projects. And and some of that's voice work, which you know you you go in for like a day or two to record your lines, and then you're on your yeah. way. Yeah, I think some of them. I think like half were probably voice work um, between the video game and uh, animated series. So he could probably pump those up pretty easy. And yeah, he had a notable notable voice. So um, he was pretty popular in the voice acting world. Yeah, it's not it's not that if you're an actor who's relatively in demand you can have like 10 movies in in development at any one time yeah Yeah. that's Uh, i mean that's still in and of itself it's just like it shows that he was you know an in-demand actor at the time of his passing yeah yeah just marvel to think about um, shirley looks it's pretty star-studded um seems like a good cast i don't know trying um I don't know if it's going to be as epic as the trailer makes it out to be, or if it's... Because I don't know how much they can really squeeze out of that. I, I also don't know where stories, so I don't know oh, if they're... Like, yeah, gonna... I I think you could you could make a good movie uh, with this. Um, it remains to be seen whether or not they realize the potential. They got a lot of people in it, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be quality. Uh, we'll we'll yeah. see. I... I tend to assume the worst of Netflix projects. <laughs> um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, this is a straight-to-Netflix um, thing, yeah. similar to Rustin. So I wonder yep. if they had a um, kind of a spree of it. I will make mention, since you talked about Netflix, um, this was not on here, but I saw a trailer for it today. Um, Netflix is releasing The Gentleman, the TV series. Yes. So, the you know, from from Guy Ritchie, um, following on to the gentleman, the movie. I think it's a sequel or like a. It's after the movie. Uh, I yeah, haven't there's... seen the gentleman. Gentleman, you haven't. I have not. For shame, you should definitely see. It. It's pretty good. Um, it uh, yeah. There's there's definitely plenty of um, room to continue that story. Um, and like we said when we saw the. Uh, the listing on IMDb, we were looking at something completely different, and we saw that was coming. Um, Guy Ritchie doesn't often do sequels uh, or continuations in the same universe, so uh, it's kind of interesting that one's coming out, especially in the TV show, because my knowledge, he hasn't done any TV or yeah. doesn't, at the very least, have significant TV uh, credits. So, should be interesting. I think judging by his style, he could. I think he's a, he would be a good fit for a TV series. Well, and it's like it's a Netflix series, right, or a straight to streaming series. So it's not TV in the traditional sense. You, yeah. it's basically you can have eight hours to tell your story if you need it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so that is coming out, um, and now we're on to. I think the uh, the big one, the big two. No, this is the last one, right? Um, oh yeah, the most probably the most popular one. Um, that we have uh, Borderland, yeah, the, the one that we ha- would have the most to say about at the very least. Yeah, mm-hmm. Burgerland. Um, Border guy. I I don't Jumanji Desert Edition. 
I don't I don't love what I see. <laughs> okay, I also never played Borderlands one. I don't. This is what I think it's being based off of, correct? Um. Well, you see, that's the it's, thing. I I don't know because we have we have Lilith, Roland, Tina, Krieg, Claptrap, and Tannis. Yeah, that is a medley of characters. So Krieg, and that, too. Krieg, and I th- well, Krieg definitely didn't come out until like well into Borderlands 2's life cycle. He was the last DLC character. Um, there's no Brick. There's no Mordecai, who are the other two playable characters in of Borderlands, in Borderlands 1. One. The original heroes of the Wasteland. And kind of, you know, important characters, too. Uh, doesn't appear that there's any Handsome Jack. Um, Tiny Tina is also, I think, anachronistic. I don't believe she was in... She's a side character from 2 onwards, I think. Yeah, I don't think she was in the first one. So, uh, to answer your question, I don't think this is based on... Borderlands 1 because half the characters in the main cast weren't in Borderlands 1. What, uh, what, what was so it seems like the plot is that they need to go to Pandora to find a vault and get treasures. That's, yeah, that's, that's, Wasn't that? Yeah. That's, that's all that's of them. Of, <laughs> that's all of them, really. Yeah. <laughs> Although, oh. it's, yeah. This well, seems most reminiscent of 1. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I know you played this with us, Jake. I know well, you know. Well, I played I played uh, two and three with us. Two and three, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, two me... two's largely the same story. It's just a new group of vault hunters. Um, casting is not fantastic. I think it's the biggest like uh... eyebrow raiser of this whole thing. But we knew we knew that going in, like. We we've known for some time that Kevin Hart was going to be role play role in Jack Black was going to play Claptrap and Kate Blanchett was going to play Lilith and the most charitable take you could have had at the time is let's wait to see it in action. We've seen it in action. I maybe even like it less than I did from the announcement. They it just they are not embodying the characters. It's not even that like they're bad act. Obviously, Kate Blanchett is not a bad actress. Right. <laughs> she she won an Oscar last year, um, but she's also fifty four years old, and sirens are like forever youthful <laughs> because of all yeah, the fucking. They should be like prime of their life, spry. You know, she doesn't embody and like Lilith in particular. Has... She's not a siren. I don't think. Like I'm, I am surprised of Jamie Lee Curtis's inclusion. In this. I could see like, I feel like Jamie Lee Curtis at least could give a very Tannis performance. So I yeah. don't, I don't hate that conceptually. Um, you know, you dye her hair black and you kind of look, maybe give her the CGI makeup to make her look a little younger and you're fine. Maybe, yeah. um, but Kevin Hart's playing Kevin Hart. And Jack Black is playing Jack Black. They're not really right. embodying it's, the characters that they're supposed to be. And it, yeah, that's kind of the, the whole classic, point. <laughs> yeah, it's the classic problem, too, especially in Claptrap's case of uh, it's a non it's a voice acted role. And you already have a huge like a key voice actor for that role, like an iconic. Voice yeah, you've actor. got two choices. You got the guy who did it. 
after the original guy got fired from Gearbox or the original guy. <laughs> Either yeah. one would have been fine. You don't need... I don't know that Jack Black's name on the marquee is really making a huge difference here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I was looking at the um, the cast to see if there was anybody else, to see if they showed everybody or not. Um, they have... they. Well, we saw Larry in there, Bobby Lee's character. Atlas is another character. Knox, Jacobs, Crom, Marcus, Scooter, Quinn, Hammerlock, and Ellie are all cast in here. Um, I know we didn't see Ellie or Scooter, I don't think. And I don't think we saw right. Marcus, right? Yeah, we no, there's a brief clip of Marcus and what I'm assuming is Moxie. Um, I have to make and that Marcus inference. Marcus is the gun seller. I have to make yeah, that inference okay. because uh, <laughs> they need to have sanctuary. I think they they they're definitely going to have a scene in sanctuary because you can't have the action all the time. So where are they going to have the dialogue and um, character development scenes in town? My That's guess weird. is that they're going to leave a handsome Jack appearance for the sequel. Stinger, yeah, a stinger and a sequel. Sequel bait. Like yeah, that's their their big bad that they probably want to put out there. Um, was Atlas a villain in one of the Borderlands? I, I do not remember. Um, I think I the Atlas company was the antagonist in Borderlands 1. They hired the Vault Hunters to come open the vault, and then they betrayed them. And then in the wake of the Vault Hunters, you know, defeating the warrior, um, Atlas was weakened and that allowed Hyperion to become the dominant company on Pandora oh. and Handsome Jack worked for Hyperion. You also played the he, pre-sequel well, yeah. of us, Jake, so you should know all this. I <laughs> didn't Handsome Jack, uh, sorry, just didn't, didn't Handsome time. Jack own a Hyperion? No, he was a engineer at Hyperion who seized okay. control. We played the pre-sequel together. <laughs> we played... yes. All I remember is the air. <laughs> and I had, I had, the lady could freeze people. <laughs> um. So yeah, they must be saving that for the stinger. So they they must be changing up the story a little bit because the um the plot the storyline um mentions Atlas's daughter um and she's the key to the vault and they have to like either rescue the daughter or get her to unlock the which I think that somehow. was a plot point from two. So uh, yeah, Angel was uh, Jack's daughter, That's right. and Angel, she yeah, uh, was a siren, and sirens siren open the vault. Yeah, okay. Yeah. They can charge vault keys. Charge vault. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Lilith, an infamous outlaw with a mysterious past, reluctantly returns to her home planet Pandora to find the missing daughter of the universe's most powerful son of a bitch, Atlas. Lilith forms an alliance with an unexpected team. We got Roland, Tanitina, Craig, and Tannis, uh, and Claptrap. Uh, these unlikely heroes must battle alien monsters and dangerous bandits to find and protect the missing girl who may hold the key to unimaginable power, the fate of the universe. Is there more? No, it just ended without a period. That's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Okay, the good things. The setting and the costume design and seemingly the effects all look pretty solid. Um, you know, yeah. minus a little bit of like some... Some of the costumes look a little off. Um, it's weird because Claptrap, I think most 
matches the aesthetic of Borderlands. Like the way he, it's animated looks almost cell shaded, but in mm-hmm. so closely resembling the art style of the game, it really highlights how the rest of it doesn't as closely resemble yeah. the art style of the game. Yeah, and I've seen a, some it, pretty impressive like Borderlands cosplay that yeah. really, with practical makeup effects, uh, makes it look cell shaded. I'm a little disappointed that Hollywood budget could not find the room for that kind of right. Because <laughs> and the games themselves were able to achieve cell shaded look in with 3D models, so I it would be it would be doable for sure. Um, looking at kind of the I don't know the the production like the the colors and the lighting and all that jazz. It looks like they dropped characters from the Speed Racer movie into the Mad Max setting, <laughs> which, like, that's not, it's not not Borderlands, but in the movie sense, uh, that's, it's a lot of saturation. Yeah, there, there's a couple And it comes off here. different than it does in the games. Yeah, there's a couple scenes in here that look like they're straight out of Spy Kids 3, <laughs> and... Um, that might be a little bit jarring if they stick with that or if they can polish it up a little bit. Um, I don't know how to feel yeah. about this. That's that's kind of where I'm like ending it on because there's there's some aspects of this that are like okay, cool, you're changing the story around, you know, quite a bit. That's not that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like I'm not saying that you have to be a slave to the rather bland story of Borderlands One. Um, but at the same time, it's gotta be good though. It's gotta be good, and this and doesn't look like this is gonna be good. They, they haven't like exactly said in this movie, or at least uh, installed or instilled a bunch of faith that this is actually gonna be like a good storyline. Like it just, it just seems like it's gonna be pretty generic. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think this movie's ceiling is Monster Hunter. Okay. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Liked by some, yeah. but generally considered to not be a very good movie. Yeah. I mean, there's not there's not a good track record with video game movie adaptations. It's just, well, it's all on how you do it. Recently, there's been success. Obviously, the Mario Brothers movie, while not being a great movie, did big business. Uh, Sonic movies have been pretty good. Um, we had another, based on a video game, well, Gran Turismo uh which was kind of based on a true story. It was related to a video game. But honestly, video game movies have been eaten the best they've been eaten in the history of the genre lately. I know. Um, but, they, but they can be stinkers. They, they can, can be, like the Halo show. Be, yeah, yeah. I, oh. Mm. Which somehow got a second season. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand. I feel like I'm living in a crazy world. <laughs> like, like they didn't listen to any of the feedback. And they were just like, no. They didn't care. They already, because they had three seasons planned out. They weren't going to change their, their thing. Pull a Netflix. Cut it short. Cut it cut it early. They've, they've done that to before. They've like, they've left the show on a stinger and then like just canceled the last season and then pulled the shows from their, <laughs> from their thing to make Which room for probably means that the first season made money. I mean, I mean, I don't know if any project that lives exclusively on a streaming service can itself make money. I mean, they just, they just do some paramount money movement. 
Because, like, like many, I mean, how do you measure the success of a project by, like, you have your new subscriber counts go up, right? But you can't necessarily one-to-one attribute that to that show. Like, how do you differentiate me getting Paramount Plus, watching a few episodes of Halo, stopping, but keeping it for Sunday football? Yeah, they they can't really trace it. The only, like, the biggest indicator they have is, like, date of sign-up. Like, oh, we had an influx in sign-ups around the release date of this project. But, like, there's never, like, a single thing that drops on a streaming service on a day. It's a bunch of shit. They probably have view count, like, how many times something was viewed. I suppose that's true, too. But but. they'll they'll never release that. So they are kind of it's kind of free reign and that's like not say, necessarily the money maker right like if i sign up for paramount because of the nfl and i'm like well well i have it let's see what this halo show is about mm-hmm. i didn't sign up for halo halo not being on there wouldn't affect my subscription yeah and a lot of times they're they're the way that they maybe keep money or keep people invested is a wider content library, which they always want to build up. And then they can advertise that Halo. And when you finish your episodes of South Park, you maybe check out an episode or two of Halo. But yeah. then never finish it or something like that. Yeah, I, I don't know. It would be interesting to see how many people are watching the last episode um, in totality to figure out like who stuck with yeah. it, who actually watched it all the way through and who stayed with it because like and of those people how many of them did it because they had to in some professional capacity (laughs) (laughs) how many were reviewers or had a youtube channel like come on surely not that many um yeah you just remind me like (laughs) yeah i i guess that's that's all like we could talk a lot we could speculate stuff about borderlands um mostly the only thing i want to say is like if they do show Handsome Jack as a stinger, I would like it to be Ryan Reynolds. I would like yeah. Ryan Reynolds as Handsome Jack. He's everywhere um, right now, but I mean, he's pretty entertaining. Yeah. So. Uh, I will shout out, I guess. There was someone just, like, else, like, that's not a bad casting, but I remember seeing, like, fan casting a Borderlands movie a while ago, and they had someone else for Handsome Jack who I was like, yes, that's perfect, but I can't remember who the fuck it was. Yeah. I I think, I don't know, for, as far as recasting, you know, I, I've, I think I might actually turn around on Jamie Lee Curtis. I think that's, I think it might be fine. Um, definitely, I would put, like, Idris Elba as Roland and, like, oh, Kate McKinnon he'd as be a better Tiny fit. Tina. Uh, Glenn Howerton? Oh yeah, he'd be a good choice oh, too as Handsome yes. Jack. I, I pulled it up on I Twitter. Like that. I, I was seeing who was if anybody was talking about uh, trying to. Maybe that was it. Handsome Jack. I'm from Hyperion, <laughs> where the robots hang out. <laughs> yeah, Anthony Starr is another one. Who's been mentioned? Yep. Anyone with that nice, with that empty smile. Yeah. Gavin, <laughs> Gavin Newsom. <laughs> oh, someone suggested Bruce Campbell. I think that's an interesting idea. Oh, that'd be not not a great like lookalike, but definitely like could... an older handsome Jack. Mm-hmm. Maybe Bruce Campbell is like 
I don't know, Axton? Does that would that make sense? Um, he wouldn't want to do a role that that's that action heavy, and Axton is kind of doesn't have enough personality to really be a Bruce okay. Campbell character. Um, yeah. yeah, I can't see much more of it, but that that is uh, Borderlands very yep. indifferent about it, at least for me. Yeah, um, well. We'll see what happens. We'll probably end up watching it. Um, yeah, we're definitely going to end up watching it. Um, yeah. That doesn't mean I'm going to like it. <laughs> so it's all you have. It's nowhere but up from here, Borderlands. I can't wait to see what popcorn bucket they come out with. Oh, yeah. yeah. Can I get my Borderlands? I hope it's an actual flashlight. <laughs> I hope it's an actual oh. gun. <laughs> so we can it's a giant pistol that you just point at your mouth. Shoot our way. Oh, into the follow-up. Yep. Um, taking a look at Weekend 7, 2024, uh, February 16th through 19th, President's Day weekend. Um, although I guess some movies were touting their earnings over the six-day Valentine's Day weekend period. <laughs> um, but fuck all that noise. We're just looking at the three-day. And... Um, Leading the pack was Bob Murley, One Love, bringing in a uh, decent $33 million, uh, in just over 3,500 theaters, um, $85 million worldwide. Um, and it also happens to be our spotlight picture for this week. Uh, it's not reviewing great, uh, with professional critics at least. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 42%. IMDb sitting at that 6.6 and a 43 on Metacritic. Um, user score is 4.8 on Metacritic. Audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is 92. So Rotten Tomatoes people liked it, or at least the ones that they decided to not cull. Uh, <laughs> there, were, there were enough positive reviews that <laughs> after culling, it brought it up to a 92%. Um, but as we all know, we don't take the word of professional critics. Not really something that should be no, done. I uh, gotta gotta go down on street level. Street level heroes. We need more stories about street level heroes. And yep. there's no bigger street level hero than an IMDb user review uh, submitter. Uh, Bob Marley, one one reviewer. One reviewer. One one love. One review. Uh, Tommy. Trinine? Trinen? T-R-E-I-N-E-N. Trinian. We're going to go with that. Tommy Trinian. <laughs> Bob Marley, one love. 10 out of 10. Don't let him fool you. Ron Tomato sucks at rating. <laughs> beautiful movie. Absolutely beautiful. This movie is... Not about making Bob Marley a legend because he already was the biggest music legend ever. This movie <laughs> is about what he went through during a period of time and a peek at how he <laughs> grew up. How at the end of the day, Bob was a human too. But even then, you can't help but realize he was touched with a gift that he shared with the world. Kingsley Benadir. And Latasha Lynch 
are absolutely fantastic. Oh my god, that voice is literally destroying my throat right now. <laughs> well produced and directed, the music makes it just mind-blowing. There is a theater, this is a theater movie, trust me. The sound of Bob Marley blasting inside a theater room is mind-blowing. Five out of eight Boys, got found reverb. that helpful. This is just how I talk now. <laughs> I can't go back. changed my life. <laughs> this review has changed my life forever. <laughs> All right, we got, we got Tyson coming in with a one out of ten. Boring, don't waste your time. All right, boring with bad acting. I continue to watch Waiting for the Movie to Improve. It never did. I, like many true story dramas, but this one was horrendous. The plot line was dull, boring, and weak, and the acting was not much better. I'm good with accents, but subtitles <laughs> would have come in handy in this movie, as their accents were very thick. Maybe. Bob Marley <laughs> has so many good songs. Why they would choose to feature so many of his unknown songs is beyond me. I'm not sure why I have to write an essay for a review. Well, you don't have to. But this last <laughs> paragraph is to get my required character limit <laughs> up to the minimum requirement. Love these boys. 21 out of 57 found that helpful. So, uh, just... You know, see. you don't have to. See. You don't have to submit the review. We're following in the, the footsteps of uh, people not realizing that movies are optional uh, with uh, Kawasan56896 or Kawa Hassan, maybe. Four out of ten. It could be, it could be better. Unfortunately... Most of the scenes were very slow. On Valentine's Day, I, I was hoping to see a fun movie. But what I saw was problems between a man and his wife. The acting was absolutely amazing. But, but the problem was the events of the movie. I thought about leaving the cinema more than once. So I stayed seated because there was nothing to do outside. As it was my day off. Before watching the movie... I saw that the movie's advertised was extremely exaggerated. <laughs> the movie's publicity is what encouraged me to see this movie. All the scenes were mixed, so I didn't know where the beginning was, where the middle was, and where the end was? Question mark period? I only I give I gave only four marks to the actors. It had twenty-four. My guy, just go do something else on your day off. <laughs> The whole world's your oyster. What do you mean there's nothing to do outside? <laughs> like, there's... The entire fucking world's your your oyster. It's your day off, man. Do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> it's, a, it's your day off. You know what that means. I'm forced to go watch Bob Marley, One Love. You don't have a podcast where you're forced to go watch Madam Web on your day off. <laughs> <laughs> Forced? What do you mean? True. The well, the web billionaires are coming for you. It'll, it'll take them about six tries to get there because they have to go and see every future outcome and then rewind back in a very poorly edited fashion. 
And I know you're going to review Madam Web. <laughs> and you're going to review it again. You're going to review it again. You're going to come. <laughs> Little did we know that was her <laughs> maximum vocal uh, dynamic. I'm like, just bring up the Fifty Shades. Dakota Johnson can be described as many things. Dynamic personality, not one of them. <laughs> uh, Maxine McKenna has a bit more of a dynamic personality and had this to say about Bob Marley, One Love, rating it 9 out of 10. The spirit and essence of Bob Marley and the Wailers is well told. Bob Marley's presence and essence shines through. You rise, fall, and rise again in this retelling of his life. The world is going to fall in love afresh with Bob Marley and his philosophy. Simple ideals, but so impactful. The movie feels short because there's so much more to tell. If only they could make parts 2 through 24. I'll be right here waiting. Kingsley Benadir nailed it. We love it. Oh, uh, uh, two people? <laughs> my, two people, one review. My mind and spirit bonded with the main characters. I eased into the film and stayed in, not wanting to take a step out. <laughs> it is told with such depth of feeling, but so authentic of character, a pure spiritual experience, still jazzed and delighted hours later. They're jazzed. Not rigged. The actors, yeah, fail. The actors did a stellar job. We have learned so much about his life, Jamaica, and the world. (laughs) Pure joy to watch. Could not help dancing and singing softly all throughout. You told me that you stayed in. Uh, Could not help dancing and singing softly all throughout. Finally danced my way out of the cinema. And everybody clapped. <laughs> Five out of nine found that helpful. And then everyone clapped. That movie's name, Albert Einstein. <laughs> this has been a... Uh, I'm going to be one of those really shitty YouTubers that just reads posts from random subreddits. <laughs> adding yes. nothing of value to it. Uh, this was brought to you by r slash that happened. <laughs> Bob Marley, one love, from user JFab987. Get the you can try and get the you get the robo voiceover going. Yeah, I was trying to I was trying to um, in my head get my cowboy voice going, but I don't know if I'm gonna be able to nail it. <laughs> Come on, oh, Jake. We got, we got Just you. channel channel your inner <laughs> cowboy. You had it going earlier. <laughs> yeah, you were there before we hit record. You were going all cowboy. <laughs> no story quickly tossed together and surprisingly dull for such an exciting life story. Cats good to good to do. Says no attention to story or getting to understand any of the characters. I'm surprised this was signed off on. Is good enough to represent someone whose life story is considered legendary and full of excitement. It feels lackluster and thrown together. Ellipses. Scenes just end. Characters just pop up. Flashbacks. And you don't even tell the audience what year it is. Scenes in an entirely different country, and we're supposed to guess if it's Germany or London. We are supposed 
supposed to care how Bob is willing to do whatever to spread an important message. But there is no connection the way good movies pull you in. It's all just a one, two, three formula of quick snippets of action or drama happening. Probably 15 minutes of action or meaningful moments of the whole movie total. Plenty shots of Bob's character sitting in silence and then more sitting through basic interpretation. (laughs) I don't know if he's going interpolation. (laughs) Meanings of the movie. (laughs) Going through basic interpretations of Bob in studio and on stage. It is really hard to replicate his soulful way of performing, so they shouldn't have spent time even trying with his stiff British accent actor and should have stuck to giving an actual storyline or emotional Oscar-worthy drama. Can can we get a do-over the way they did Steve Jobs biopics? Yeehaw! 18 out of 37 found that helpful. I, th- I bet he thought he was real slick with the one, two, three formula comment. <laughs> yeah. Real fucking moves out here. He, he thought about that. He was like, "What? What's that? What's that formula? How can I convey my feelings about this movie and enough characters <laughs> to meet the word limit? <laughs> to meet this word limit? Goddamn! Apparently, like limit. the greatest enemy of the of the IMDb reviewer <laughs> right? is this fucking word limit. Yeah, I guess. Fuck! At four ninety nine, it has to be a five hundred. I think when we started doing the segment, that definitely didn't exist because there were. No. Hundreds of one sentence reviews. Oh, and honestly, even looking through some of these reviews these past few weeks, some of these got to be less than five hundred characters. Yeah, I think once you've done a couple, you probably they they take that off. It's just for new accounts. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it's a good way to protect against bot. Yeah. Um, that does finally, such a great job of protecting against. Bots. It's really, really strong out here. Really fucking gain them off. Uh, from Zone Wolf, a five out of ten. Strong acting, flat storyline. Uh, pardon me. Kingston Benadair was Bob Marley. Absolutely stellar job getting into character and making it believable that is the good part the not good was the story itself it was extremely flat and lacking there was no arc which was disappointing overall it was like following someone around for a week one day something unusual and unique happened the other six were pretty routine uh, summary, no spoilers. Uh, opening with a bunch of backstory text to get to present day. Some stuff happens. Some more stuff happens. There's a very short concert slash song. The end. More text explaining and some brief dudage and pictures. Dude. Roll credits. <laughs> Two out of three found that helpful. I feel like any movie can be broken down. <laughs> And like made to seem really boring if you just use stuff happens. Like stuff for happens. instance, Terminator 2. 
A yeah. cyborg As, sent back you know, in time to kill this kid. Thing stuff. Some stuff happens, and when then the robot lowers himself into some lava. Yeah. He, they, he really did, Zone Wolf really did Kingston Ben Adair uh, very wrong. Uh, and he also did Kingsley Ben Adar, uh, Ben Adair uh, also very wrong by not calling him by his actual name. Yeah. Whoever Kingston Ben Adair is, I guess you sucked. Um, jury's <laughs> still out on Kingsley Ben Adair's you really, you really messed it up for him. Um, yeah. They were they were a member for sixteen years and this was their first review. Way to break out onto the scene, Zone Wolf. Glad to have you in the in the field. I yeah, we'll the, really makes you. We'll meet you on the field of review. They tried. One day. They tried. They, they take yep. over their parents' yeah. account. Like must have been. Oh, like they sold the account. This the original owner sold the account to someone. Because like we yeah. out here. We out here selling IMDb user review accounts. Hey, on the black. There's market. a price for everything, Jake. <laughs> on the dark madam web. We out here crazy. smoking IMDb runt. <laughs> we out. We out here human trafficking users. <laughs> IMDb users. Blowing smoking big problem. doints in IMDb. Yeah. That's, uh, the, that's a D in IMDb. IM doints. Doink. <laughs> Doinking it. Uh, one love. Bob love. One Marley. Bob love love. That's um and and second at the box office behind Bob Marley, Madam Web seventeen point eight million dollars in its opening week. That's what we call a big oof. Uh, yep. Fifty four million dollars worldwide. But shockingly, not the biggest Sadly. box yeah. office bomb currently in the box office right now. That would go to the number three picture this week, Argyle which continues its precipitous drop down the leaderboard here, bringing in only $5.8 million in just its third week. Uh, This movie, in case you are unaware, because why would you assume that from looking at this movie, had a budget of $200 million. It's made $79 million. It was all the CGI for that cat. So it probably was. They could have like bought five cats in case one died, and just like use that over and over again. So to a lot less to break even. Like I don't know why. Why would anyone? This had to be a situation where the budget just got out of control, right? Because in order to break even on a two hundred million dollar budget, the movie would have had to make half a billion dollars. Yeah, even in the most optimistic of worlds who would have thought that to be a realistic scenario it all went to paying taylor swift as outlined by the the conspiracy that ellie conway the writer of the argyle book was actually taylor swift there's i i found a site that breaks down the whole conspiracy um and it's as it's as substantive as you might even think it's as convincing as you would imagine bust that um, bust that link i'm i'm ready to be awoken absolutely. i i know sherpson what, what, so what, what I will read out the com- singular of sheepleby. Yeah, Sherpson, <laughs> something like that. Sheeple, <laughs> sheep, uh, sheepman. Um, yeah. So we have such uh, amazing uh, piece of evidence, such as Taylor Swift sells an argyle pattern sweater. Um, 
Heritage. Ellie Conway is the same name of a character on the Australian soap opera Neighbors, who first appeared on Taylor's birthday. Neighbors. Ellie Conway is has red hair, just like Taylor Swift in the All Too Well, the short film music video. When she dyed her hair red. <laughs> uh, the silencer on the gun in the photo is actually a Pat McGrath lipstick that Swift is known to wear. Chip the cat, which is the cat, apparently follows Taylor Swift on Instagram. And finally, um, the most compelling is something called the 112 Days Theory, which dictates that something will happen on February 2nd, 2024. So a month ago, 112 days after October 13th, 2023, the day that the Eras Tour opened in theaters. The 112 Days Theory, as defined by Swiftopedia, is the theory that since the Eras Tour, Taylor releases stuff. Why that number of days specifically? You know what? I I don't want to go down the rabbit hole. (laughs) 1 plus 12 is 13, and 13 is her number. Um, did you know, like, the Swifties were, like, really hardcore into numerology? Yes. That, I, I do know that. Like they, That is the least like, shocking piece of information I've been given, possibly ever. Yeah. They are hardcore into numerology. Like, they'll be like, they, they pointed at her, her, the clock on her necklace, or, uh, yeah, on her necklace, that was actually telling time. It was, like, an actual working clock. And we're like, guys, guys, it's it's changing. Yeah. It's telling She's wearing a pocket fuck. watch around her fucking neck. Relax. <laughs> yeah. It's so the theory goes that Taylor Swift releases her re-recorded albums every 112 days, which I think can be disproven by looking at the release dates of her albums. But more importantly, if we apply Occam's razor <laughs> to cut up Taylor Swift, you'll find that 112 days is about four months. Or, or a three, fiscal three quarter, year. <laughs> or uh, yeah. thirty year, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm not gonna try to make sense of something that can't be made sense of, uh, like how migration is still somehow in the top five in its ninth week in theaters, uh, five point three million dollars for that, despite only being in twenty five hundred theaters. Uh, quarter bill, it's up to worldwide, two hundred fifty eight million dollars. They are they are fucking milking it. I am. This is t- this is taking the long flight. It's gonna go all the way. <laughs> it's migrating to the yeah to being profitable. It's, I can't believe that this movie is going to uh, be able to remain in theaters as long as it took for the second trailer to come out after the first trailer. <laughs> <laughs> like the guys in the fucking marketing department were like, "We need another war with Grandpa. That's the only way out of this." We need to manu- we need to manufacture the the industrial accident that created the war with Grandpa. A movie that made a modest amount of money, but just was in theaters forever. <laughs> this is like in theaters. Yeah, uh, it's like trying to recreate the Hulk and coming out with Abomination <laughs> instead. Wonka, four point six million in its tenth week, six hundred eight million dollars worldwide for Wonka. Chosen season four episodes four through six. We got the next three out in theaters now. So, oh, yeah. Shit. So I guess it's just the fucking. They're just airing it every week. 
Like, it's just go to the movie theater instead of watching it on your TV. Every two weeks, it looks like, because okay. uh, the first batch was in there for two weeks. Uh, but $4.25 million uh, for that. Beekeeper in seventh, $3.7 million, bringing its worldwide up to 144. Uh, anyone but you, uh, bringing another 2.8, bringing its worldwide total to almost 190 million dollars. Uh, Lisa Frankenstein, uh, two and a half million for that one, only 8.6 million dollars worldwide. Um, not very widely, re- well, actually, it's in 3,000 theaters, so it's just not attracting audiences, and it's not in any overseas theaters, or not very many. Um, and rounding up the top 10, we have Land of Bad, $1.89 million. Um, $2 million oh, worldwide. It's, it's the dynamic duo of Liam Hemsworth and Russell Crowe action movie. How could you go wrong with that? How could you miss? <laughs> it's a 10 out of 10 right on its first week. <laughs> what? Was there ever a trailer for this? Yes, I remember. It's the one where... We made a lot of jokes about how fat Russell Crowe is at the Steven Seagal stage of his career where he's booking roles where he can be seated for the majority of the movie. Yes. (laughs) Yep, 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 yep. It's hitting me like a truck. (laughs) It's hitting you like a Russell Crowe tackle. Hitting me like like the steaks that Russell Crowe eats every single night. Oh, man, we missed a lot of jokes um, when he was in the Pope's Exorcist about him needing to exercise. <laughs> the Pope needs. God, why am I so much funnier after the fact always? <laughs> Man can exercise demons, can't exercise himself. Um, yeah. Uh, notable departures. I think Mean Girls uh, dropped out top mm-hmm. 10. Um, so that didn't have a great run there. Uh, but it did okay, I guess. It somehow clawed, very quietly clawed its way past $100 million. Um. So that's yeah. That's that. That's that's your follow up right there. Let's talk. Yeah. Let's dip our toes into the world of of gaming news and a little bit of gaming. Figure out figure out what what's going on. What's going on out there? Yeah. What's that that's going on over there? All right, I am hyped always to talk about Helldivers two. I've turned my Twitter account always. into a into a Super Earth propaganda account where I'm I'm a Helldiver. And I only post Helldiver propaganda, and we must spill oil. It's true, I've seen it. The, the trees, they are speaking binary. Uh, the only good bug is a dead bug. I'm um, doing my part. Yes, <laughs> I'm doing my part. Are Surface you? guarantees citizenship. Citizenship. Exactly. Um, fascism Twitter is on a rise, and I'm here for it. Because uh, <laughs> it's kind of weird. You're not wrong. Are all about, like, <laughs> I'm, People are all clip it, like clip it, <laughs> clip it, clip it, ship it. Um, yeah. So, Helldivers Two, uh, I talked about it last week. It's a very popular game, uh, very unique game, live service co-op, um, uh, where Shooting. you are trying to kill robots or bugs. They came out with their first, uh, not even a big patch. I mean, it's a patch. It wasn't a big like download or anything, which is nice. Um, they implemented a AFK timeout. Um, yeah, because wasn't there a story of like people being like they logged off and they would log back in and they were still like 
in the server and in the instance. Well, well, okay. Uh, PlayStation had an instance where, or PlayStation has an issue, I think, where if you log out of PlayStation or you log out of the game, you're still in the in the server. Uh, and if you put put it to sleep, like it still has you in the server for some reason. Um, so okay. I think they fixed that along with um, increasing uh, server size, server capacity. So they've increased server capacity. Um, and then on top of that, they've also created an AFK timer. So what was happening before, I think, was people were getting in line, getting in queue, and then being like, okay, this doesn't take 30 minutes. I'm going to go walk away. They come back an hour later and they're on their ship. But they've been AFK for like, maybe 20, 30 minutes, who knows how long. So they don't want that to happen anymore because then people forget about it. They're in there for hours and they're just taking up space. Uh, they, there's an AFK queue now or AFK timer. Yeah. Uh, so you get, you get timed out. It's wonderful. Uh, the, um, <laughs> the message that pops up uh, is, is pretty great. All the tool tips and stuff like that are usually um, – on vogue with the um the nature of the of the game uh where's it fuck um i remember i think it said like hey uh you are you've been afk for this long you'll be kicked in 30 seconds or something like that and it uh it comes up with a tip says uh idle hands are fascism fascist (laughs) friends or something like that uh so it's it's pretty it's pretty fun oh here we go Idle hands are fascist playthings. We love that. We love spreading managed democracy across the managed democracy. Um, Yeah. Uh, (laughs) The the other thing I want to note is um the the CEO of the studio that makes Helldivers two pretty cool guy. Um, so with all this uh, new attention that the game is getting, uh, they've had to clear some obstacles on server capacity. Um, the game's been running pretty well. Uh, other than that, you know, handful of crashes here or there, but nothing major. Um, and they've handled it in stride. You know, they're, they're comparing. They're a very small company in Sweden, um, and they said, you know, people are just saying hire more people, hire more people. You know, get on this server thing. He's like, they're like, no, we're not gonna do what other big companies do and hire like crazy and overhire when our game gets popular. So we have to just fire them when it goes out of popularity like it's going to take some time we ask that you please stand by and we'll fix this we'll address the issues Mm -hmm. um and they so far have they are they have a small team uh i don't know if they contracted out some work to get to help with some of the 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 missing things but they've done a great job so far at managing this and fixing some things early on uh and addressing certain issues and it seems like he's you know, commenting about certain things when it's like 2 a.m. over there in Sweden. Um, so, seems like a very chill company. Um, they also don't appear to be super greedy. It's one of the few games that, yeah. like, you can you can get the premium currency in the game and through the free battle pass that you have. And you can actually, if you just play the game a lot... You can rock it free to play? You can... You rock it free to... Well, not free to play because it does cost 40 bucks uh, okay. to get. But you don't have to buy the stuff. You can get the premium stuff that all the people could buy for like on, on launch day. You could eventually get that. All that stuff is there. And it's not like any 
better than like the stuff you have. Some are just like cool cosmetics. There are some guns, but they're not that much better. You know, it's the the stuff that I've heard that are like the good loadouts are stuff you unlock at level fifteen. So they're they're doing a pretty good job at balancing that aspect of it. They've got some work to do, sure, but uh, pretty fun game. Uh, I would recommend picking it up now that they've uh, fixed it, but maybe wait till next week. Let me test it out Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and see how the stress, the stressful weekends go. Because this is like a Wednesday, a Thursday night that I just got in with no queue time. So yeah, let's let's get yeah. like a few hundred thousand players on. Um, <laughs> yeah. So speaking of things that are going to cost forty dollars after. A year or so of speculation of its existence and a lot of nothing coming from FromSoft. Uh, the Elden Ring Shadow of the Erd Tree uh, yeah. DLC trailer has dropped. A three minute trailer uh, shows a lot of new bosses, and that's pretty much the experience. So the new bosses, probably some new locations. Um, Elden Ring is uh, not a uh, particularly deep game story-wise um well not really so i agree with like seth's take that saying elden ring or any dark souls game has a really deep story is like finding a collection of notes scattered across the city and being like wow that book was wild (laughs) yeah yeah so i mean narratively wise there's a lot going on in the background, but like your goal as a guy is pretty straightforward. But you like don't say. have to interact with the story. That's kind of where I push back a little bit. It's like Half Life okay. has the same problem too. Like Half Life has a reputation of having like this great story, but you really don't interact with it too terribly much when you're playing the game. It's a lot of like fan driven, uh, you know putting things together sort of stuff which is fine if that's what you like to engage in i don't have i'm not trying to yuck anyone's young i mean i mean i i had to watch a bunch of videos to like comprehend the whole story and like and i was like while i was watching i was like oh this is that person this is that boss this is this is how they link together and because it does somewhat tell you narratively but then again if you like miss like a you know are you gonna read every i don't know what they have like notes or yeah there's like like dialogue boxes uh, like audio log type deals or yeah yeah i don't i don't remember if there was like a something like that text item descriptions you know i remember when game grumps was playing like bloodborne on the subreddit there was like a guy whose his whole thing was he was just every episode he would post the context (laughs) and it would be like a page of context every time of like, here's what this enemy Aaron fought was. Here's what this boss, here's this boss's whole story. Yeah. Maybe like, you know, here's, well, no, he's like, here's the, like he had the sources of like how he found, how they decided, how they came upon that information. Right. And it was very esoteric stuff. It was like, Random item but at drops. least it's from what looking at the context clues, and it's like, oh, that's what it was. It was items. I think, I think descriptions under items have like a ton of lore yeah. attached to them. And it, a weird way to, put at it least from like, what I've read of it, like actually in game, um, even 
if you gather all the available information in game, there's still some like r- room for interpretation. Um, so like it might be the most compelling theory, but from soft can come out and be like, nah, that ain't it, bro. <laughs> well, there was a lot from what I remember beating Elden Ring. Um, there was a lot left up in the end where you fight the final boss, which is like possibly some like space monster that came down and like possessed or in like fused with the host, uh, millennia, millennia. Um, and, uh, is it millennia's son, daughter or, mother or this is where i'm telling you this is where i'm going to step in and say i'm halfway through elden ring so i'd appreciate maybe not (laughs) so i mean i honestly i don't even know if i remember enough to to spoil anything i just know um there's a name continuously thrown around uh mckella mckella is was the big question mark nobody knew what happened to Mikola? And you, you, you keep on the name keeps on being brought up when you're playing the game. Yeah. Um, and then I guess this is going to reference the the this DLC is going to hit upon what happened to Mikola or this storyline. <coughs> um, mm-hmm. and there's they're bringing up some other bosses that are referenced in Elden Ring, one that we never got to see. Um, but yeah, there there's some background with like man, I I used to watch a lot of these um like lore videos, but I, they were, yeah, complex. this is, if There's this is lot of... prime for a three hour theory crafting videos, Well, they brought in George R. R. Martin to, to write the story. So he's already a guy who's got, uh, his, his storylines in his head are like a big web of, you know, and combine that and... with FromSoft's method of telling stories. And you've got the most yeah. confusing <laughs> convoluted shit that's ever existed. <laughs> You you just the look. Step one is step one is realizing that they all start with their names all start with G, R, and M, for George R R Martin. Yeah, I I did <laughs> notice there was a lot of that. And all the all the G's are related. All the R's are related. I think, and all the M's are related. Um, and the L's hate the G's. <laughs> and the L's hate the G's. <laughs> Uh, there's also something with the red hair. Uh, it's fucking, I don't know. There's like, is it related to like crimson rot or something? No, it's like the true offspring. Um, it's like if they have red hair, then they're like the actual offspring of, of some, of one of the, one of the descendants of the king or something like that. Um, or descendants of the queen. So, um, getting back to the DLC here. Um, it looks appropriately big and grandiose but uh forty dollars is a lot of money that's uh you can get hell divers 2 for that money uh and have two games (laughs) instead of just one really long game um but if you really love elden ring um you know it's it's there for you i I'll probably pick it up eventually, but I'll say I'm going to wait for a sale. $40 is a little rich for my blood for uh, something that, uh, you know, might not necessarily deliver 
40 hours of content. I think they did say this was the biggest DLC they they're dropped they've dropped ever for uh from soft game. But um, how are they defining biggest? Like biggest uh, file size, biggest biggest amount of con yeah. like longest in terms of how long it takes to get through the content, you know. Yeah, it's 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 a yeah. it's an interesting spot, right? Cuz the the era of the expansion almost feels like it's returning um where you for a little bit less money than the base game you get uh, a second campaign to play through essentially like phantom liberty did that um and before that uh dragon age origins awakenings uh did that um, and Phantom Liberty, like it, it took me maybe I don't know, twenty hours to get through the campaign, and then there's a bunch of side missions I haven't tackled yet, and then of course I have to go back and play all the other endings. Um, so you know, all in, that's probably about thirty hours of content, and it was about thirty bucks. So balanced out. Elden Ring. Yep. Um, if you remove all the horse riding to get to your next destination, it's really not that much content. Um, it's, it's a lot of wandering around a largely vacuitous <clears throat> open world. Um, so if that's, if they're like, oh, the map is so big, that's not really a selling point for me. That's honestly one of my biggest pet peeves with Elden Ring is that the map is too big for its own good. <laughs> yeah all right yeah. i i i couldn't say um, yeah we'll see uh I, I i'm hoping it does um like pay out again they, they did announce this as like more of an expansion than a there there was another article that says it's uh more of an expansion so no don't uh, maybe that maybe that equates to uh more play time more hurrah <sighs> uh making it worth it but um we'll see um, yeah, I don't know, yeah. I might wait. Depends on uh, how much time I have on my hands, how much hell diving I want to do. <laughs> you can play yeah. it in bet- you can play it while waiting for uh, to log in, uh, yeah. to get into a session. Yeah, yeah. right. Do they have a, a, a release date for this bad boy? Um uh June twenty yes. first. I answered my own question, sorry. They do. A ways out. Um, yeah. So we got some time for Helldivers two to die off. <laughs> <laughs> when's that? Uh, when's that next Risk of Rain two DLC dropping? <laughs> yeah, actually, that's a good question. Um, R two DLC. Um, in the meantime, if you're looking for a way to get around uh, faster, release. No, that's the that was the other DLC. I don't think they have a date for it. If you're looking around to get a big area faster than a by horse. Um, may I suggest the new uh, Kickstarter going on for the next uh, indie high-speed platformer, Rolling Rascal. Um, it is a is kind of it's one of those uh, open-world um, Sonic-like um, uh, high-speed platformers. So kind of like Sonic, I kind of like think of it like Sonic Utopia. The guy who made this was like the developer of Sonic GT. Mm-hmm. Um, 
played through a variety. It's, so it's got a variety of, of really colorful levels, really shiny art style. I like myself a high-speed platformer. Um, right now it's got 13 days left in its Kickstarter, and it's already raised about 130k, uh, which means about half of their current stretch goals. Um, so it looks like it's going to be a strong project. Yeah. Um, always, yeah. as always with Kickstarters, you got to be a little weary. Um, there are yep, many but... horror stories with Kickstarters and, um, be patient as, as someone who recently backed yeah. his first Kickstarter. And by recently, I mean almost two whole years ago. Um, <laughs> even though it was funded almost instantly, it still took almost an entire year for me to get my comic books. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fortunately, for those who did um, fund, uh, for those who, who are interested in making sure that the game comes out, the demo is already available with Online Connect. There, I believe they held a Race Against the Devs event earlier. Um, the game itself looks to be, uh, you can get the physical, you can get the digital and physical version for about $25. Um seems like a pretty reasonable get. Yeah, that's, that's um, not bad. So it's it looks like there's a lot of promise to this, and I'm always I'm always on the lookout for more for more runny jumpy type experiences. All right. So that's 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 my little indie corner. That's gaming news. Let's talk now about our feature, which is the Iron Claw. Um I, I've got a lot of mixed feelings about this movie. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. Um, it's obviously, I you know, it's I understand the motivation for. I I think I understand part at least part of the motivation for bringing this uh, story to the screen. You know, this is truly an extraordinary story about uh, a series of events in this and a piece of uh, you know part of this family's life that was almost stranger than fiction um, it's it's a it's a part of American life that not not a whole lot of people are a part of or are experience and um, so it's kind of it's it's very much like a unique, uh, sort of uh, creative uh, telling, but at the same time, yeah, I, I can feel like there's there's issue. I I can't elaborate on it here, but it feels like it's incomplete or there's a there's a hesitation in it. Yeah, it's it kind of. So I I brought this up in our our group text, and I think maybe on the podcast. Um, in brief mention. So there's a documentary show that airs on Vice TV called Dark Side of the Ring. And they did an episode on the Von Erics um, where they they tell the story of the Von Erics, which, you know, it's not spoilers for the movie because <laughs> this is like well-known history uh, yeah. that of the six Von Erich brothers, Kevin's the only one left alive today. And um, in that Dark Side of the Ring episode, Kevin does a lot of the, the telling of the story himself. And, you know, you can s 
feel through him the emotional toll that it the events took on uh, not only him but his family and this movie with a movie you figure you'd have time to really build up these characters as you know like these people as characters and you know draw greater emotional connections so you can rip it away as the movie progresses like life life is beautiful is a great example of that they spend the first hour of the movie building up the main character as a super likable character and then the next hour of the movie with him being subject to unimaginable horrors in a concentration camp oh my god they they like i mean minus the mom and the dad they are all i mean i guess the von eric brothers are all portrayed very likable like Man, I don't know how much better a job this movie could have done showing like the bond some really close brothers can have. And not only that, but like they had reason to like exile one of them, not, you know, not like one more than the other, you know, be more jealous with each other and bicker and fight over stuff. But dude, they were so fucking close. Like the the bond just Go out there, pick your brother up from band practice. Understand that okay, maybe he doesn't really love wrestling that much. He's not really that great, and Dad picks on him. We're gonna be here for you. We're gonna support you, and let's go out and have some beers and float in the water. You know, maybe not beers. And but I feel it was the eighties. The, the movie needed. I think the movie needed a little more of that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And like these tragic events that when I watched this hour-long documentary, I was, like, really holding back tears, didn't phase me as much in the movie. And I feel like the script is just really thin. And I think the choice to frame this movie around Kevin to the extent that they did kind of limited their ability to really dive deep into Mm -hmm. some of this stuff. And... It's it's like a two hour eleven minute movie. I think it probably could have done with a bit longer of a runtime. There's a lot that they gotta cover, or the lot that they tried to cover. Um, Mm -hmm. But I know it's possible because they covered it all in the documentary, and that was only an hour long. Um, Yeah, I I get the feeling that because a lot of the material for this, and probably a lot of the stories during the writing of this came from Kevin. I think it carries a lot of his feelings on the matter. And I think that's kind of reflected in some of the, uh, the hesitation. It's some of the, um, I guess I call, I'll call it bias in, in the telling of the movie. Sure. Um, like, I, I think I tend to agree with lean towards you agreeing with you, Kurt, that I feel like, um, they could have used, there are some really interesting fits and spurts of like really good, creative, dramatic, um, usage of of cinematic techniques and stuff, but I I want I craved more, and one of the things that kind of sp- jumped out to me was how Fritz, the character of Fritz, oh they did um, and Fritz, Fritz and the- dirty. Like I mean, he was yeah. not a a nice guy, but this movie made him out to be like an irrepentant. Well, at the end, I feel like I feel like if they were gonna go that way they didn't do enough in the movie to set up the dramatic irony of 
these guys were there for each other, but you know, it, you know, you can see it coming from a long ways away that the father was not there for him. And cause that's where they end up at the end of the movie yeah. as him being just, uh, just this badger of a man, this porcupine that fucking, uh, turns away everyone and isolate, you know, who, who was, who seemed to be the pillar of the demise of the family. Well, I mean, from a certain perspective, and and now we're kind of shooting off the movie there, but like try to imagine being Fritz and having to bury son after son after son. Yeah. Like that's gonna and take its toll on you mentally. <laughs> I agree. And they didn't but they I feel like they didn't cover Yeah, that they either. didn't. Like, like that's the thing, yeah. is like they didn't show enough in my opinion of the human dimension and another thing that i feel like they i feel like they kind of glossed over the peak like when when yeah, times like were the, good the golden era like they yeah like their their legendary feud with the Freebirds was reduced to a, a eight second clip of them running into the ring and exchanging punches and yeah in a montage so I guess that's um, as an outsider watching this. Um, I don't. I guess I have a hard time. Like I understand that. I understand that gripe when you want to. But you have to show. Um, you have to condense, show them at the high. Like you gotta show the good times, and the good times was yeah, but, was condensed to a very short montage. Okay, I, I I'm. Uh, Maybe this is out of line, no, out just... of pocket for it, but you know, this is like a fine line between like, is it a wrestling movie or is it a total drama? How how do you want to blur that line? And I think they were trying to, because you want to try to marry these. Um, you want you want to have sure. a good amount of wrestling. You want to tell their story, and their I mean their story is wrestling. So if you're gonna tell their wrestling story, you're gonna tell more of that Freebird era. Um, his his beginning from the ground up, building that character, building all of them, um, and showing a lot of that, but it doesn't have enough drama in it. And then and then it, the wrestling movie kind of turns into just a it's just a really dark wrestling movie. But I think the way that they were going for was making a drama movie that has I think the wrestling just be a, a maybe a, a a foreground or a background. I'm not to it. I'm not saying um, they had to focus. But, a ton more I on see the where wrestling you're from, though jake like it it i agree i don't think it needs to be about the actual feuds themselves and i don't think they were focusing on that um i just i i'm reminded of other like biopic movies like air or you know blackberry where they do have a really kind of extended showing of like this is them on top. These are the heights from which they, uh, which everything will come crashing. And down. I think in the story of the Von Ericks, that's very important because, in in my view, it was the pressure of the fame of being so big in wrestling and having to carry the expectations of their father and really of the state of Texas that drove a lot of them to their early grave. And without really substance abuse, without really showing the gravity of that and like yeah. the toll that being a wrestler takes on your body, it doesn't really sink in yeah. to yeah. why these people would be so motivated to be so self-destructive. Like I feel like they kind of glossed yeah. over that a little too much. 
No, I, I can understand that point of view. Okay, that well, put it, putting in that frame of reference yeah. where you're not necessarily wanting just focusing on certain things, but putting them at their height. Because yeah, when you when you look at back at where they got, because I mean the ultimate goal is to get. You know, Fritz was saying the ultimate goal. I want the the World NWA Championship World Championship heavyweight heavyweight wrestling belt. I want that in my house. One of you boys. Mm-hmm. I want ultimately. I want each of you to be holding over your head out there. I want it in this house though. Um, and they were trying so hard to grasp onto that, and it failed with Kevin. Um, you know, I I think <laughs> the weird part is I think part of the un, the unrealistic aspect of it is that they kind of made Kevin out to get snubbed for like almost no well, reason. Like, so here's the thing about, and I'm sure there's a lot of background information because they did not dive into that at all. They just said somebody out there has it out for me or has it out for the Von Erichs and they won't, they won't let us in and have that chance. And I'm like, dude, Kevin Von Erich, you're making this guy out to be the fucking Adonis of wrestling. He is likable. I think I think mm-hmm. they try to paint it a little bit as like he didn't have a stick well yeah presence. they they showed that Not he a wasn't a good game. promo yeah and that's why David got Which the shot is... above him and also having seen some Von Erich matches uh, Kevin was not the best wrestler of the of the group yeah um, I I I suspect this also might be a, a symptom of the. Narrate the narrators. I feel no. I feel like if you watch the Dark Side of the Ring episode, I feel Kevin's very honest about okay. Um, you know where he stacked up athletically against his brothers. I mean, he's very he's very complimentary of all the people in his life. Like, and he doesn't hold as big a grudge against Fritz as you think he would if you know he was as as portrayed in this movie and like i i i highly recommend to anyone who has seen the iron claw or is interested in seeing iron claw if you have access to hulu or vice in some capacity go watch the dark side of the ring episode so you can maybe kind of see where i'm coming from good companion piece yeah um so carrie was far and away the best wrestler of of the bunch um and, you know, his ceiling was the highest. David Von Erich was absolutely massive. Uh, 6'8", 260, fucking carved out of granite. Um, he definitely had the look of a world's champion. The One of the issues with how the NWA worked at that time and the Von Erich being champion is that the money is in the chase. So typically, the NWA would have a heel champion like a Harley Race or a Ric Flair, and they would go town to town, feuding with the territory's top babyface, and you know narrowly escaping with the belt. That's how it worked for like forty fucking years. <laughs> so um, occasionally, you'd have the babyface eventually win, but they typically wouldn't be on top for very long. Um, even in the the best of circumstances, like Dusty Rhodes is probably the biggest babyface to ever hold the NWA World Title, and I think he's got like maybe 180 days combined as champion. Um, I pulled that number out of my ass. That could be completely wrong. <laughs> um, the other trouble I have with this movie is, and it, it it's it's one of those things that's kind of superficial. Um, but none of the people in this movie really look like who they're supposed to be. 
And okay. in the case of the Von Eriks, it's really hard because they were all super tall. And the people they had playing them were not that tall. Zach Afron's right. like 5'9, Kevin Von Erich is 6'3. And so they kind of, within the brothers, paid attention to that fact and kind of scaled them appropriately. But they didn't do that with all the other actors in the movie. So uh, Kevin's wife, if this movie's to scale, would have been like 6'5", because she's a little taller than Zac Efron is. And, you know, facially, they don't really resemble them, which uh, that may or may not be a barrier for you, but it kind of was distracting Um, for me. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, I wanted to ask you both. How, what did you think of Zac Efron's performance? Because obviously he is uh, assuming the as much of a protagonist role as he can in this movie, like a central ca- character. And I I don't know how I feel about him. I think that his he he has a uh, he had a limited kind of range. I felt in this, which was good for the ending for the latter half, where he has to pr- represent. You know, that kind of that hollow emptiness of having to live with tragedy stacked on top of tragedy and just kind of that thousand yard stare. Yeah, I think he does very well at that. Um, I don't think he's as expressive during the beginning of the movie and especially in in the relationship with um, who is playing Pam. I I forget the actress. Uh, um, um, I I did not feel that they had a lot of chem. They did not. Really they did have not chemistry. have strong chemistry, and they did not do much to build <coughs> the relationship between them. So when he's kind of estranged from them, it just kind of feels like that comes out of nowhere. I agree with like you. It's part of the biopic. Yeah. Movie. I agree with you, know, you that Peter. That I don't think there's much of a change in how he. Uh, presents his character in the first half of the movie versus the second half of the movie. I think he's just kind of, throughout the whole thing, pretty withdrawn and quiet. Um, And, uh, you know, so when that... Where it's appropriate in the second half of the movie, it's not a change from where he was. Um, And I think maybe that contributes to kind of the feeling of like wanting more than I get in that, you know, we don't see a development in his, yeah. in the character across the, the events of the film. I will say that with a lot of this movie, like the actors in this movie all are like decent actors who have been good in stuff. Um, and it's hard to tell where the, where the problem is. Like, is it they're doing the best with not so greatly written material or are they just not really giving a great performance? I I definitely feel like, especially with Kevin and, and Zach Efron, well, I admire the, the work that he put into uh, transforming his physique for this movie. Um. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like the performance was that strong from really anyone necessarily. Um, yeah. I so, think the, uh, oh, sorry. I'll let you go, Jake. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's a, it's a good question to like kind of break down Zach Efron's character. Um, but really also, I, I'd say the only other like major one was uh, Jeremy Allen White um, that I would want to like more look into uh, how they did as a, as a 
you know, portrayal of that character. But it, it's kind of hard because they're a little bit one note. Um, I would say, I would say, and maybe for all of them, uh, just kind of bordering on like trying maybe a little bit too hard. Like they're a little bit, a little bit overacted, I would say. Um, but I will say, Zach Efron kind of pulled me in at the end. They cheap gut punch with like the really emotional ending um, that they had, and oh, fuck, that got me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's having a kid. Maybe it's being. Oh a brother. yeah, I'm sure. Maybe it's kind of all of the above. Just well, no, it's it's a like, sad story. Like I, like, I was. Like it, that's it, what it really gets you, and it, it's hard to. Like deny that, you know that portrayal at the end when he, because they didn't. The thing is, how do you really show emotion when they, you know, from this movie's lens, they grew up with a dad that was like, do men, not men don't show, cry, yeah, men don't cry, don't Push show it down. your emotion, yep, you know, really push it down. Don't tell me how you feel and go to your brothers when you have like issues like that. Um. Like that, his like range is like either kind of skulking or like in the ring wrestling like that. You don't even like he's he's not even that enjoyable with like with Pam, um, who, who's yeah, is played yeah by in James. in the supposedly um, happier he, moments he just yeah. still yeah, is kind of like a bump on the wall. Moments, <laughs> he, but, yeah. but the happier moments he brings it down by talking about his other dead brother. Yeah, when he, I, <laughs> when he was younger. Honestly, I think the best. To, the best character interactions in this movie are between Zac Efron and Jeremy Allen White um, when they're working with each, you know, they're t- those like moments like him and Jeremy Allen White uh, when they're like getting he, when um, his character is getting back up from his injury, you know? Yeah, which the way um, they portray the injury was a little wonky. Um, yeah, that was probably the one big uh, VFX Thing they had to do and well not even like um, just like how they showed it on screen like you know first off they don't show the motorcycle accident they just show that he had been drinking and they show him on the motorcycle and the next time you see him he's got one foot um they didn't amputate right away he rebroke the foot uh trying to to rush back to walking and then they had to amputate and i understand you can't show that all in the movie okay. like they I'm curious to see a director's cut of this movie because I know that they cut out a lot of stuff. Like um, MJF yeah, kinda, was cast as Lance Von Erich, and like yeah. Lance I saw is, him for one shot in the Lance movie. Is barely as soon as he turned movie. around, I saw that smirk. I'm like, that's MJF. Yeah, it it just yeah. it barely uh, existed. They they cut out Chris Von Erich entirely. They kind of merged Mike and Chris. Yeah. Oh my. Aspects of their story because. From you know, reading about uh, again, I haven't seen the documentary, but I, I was reading kind of the outlines of the story, and he, you know, Mike did, uh, he did have toxic shock syndrome from a, a bad you know complication from surgery, but that was after he was uh, wrestling in Israel, like and he yeah. after his wedding, um, and he he took the tranquilizers. Um, and then Chris had, he was the one, you know, they, the aspects of, he wanted to just work backstage and do like the camera work and stuff. Oh, gotcha. and, um, okay, he yeah. also, Mike. um, uh, had committed suicide. Um, yeah, he shot, yeah, well, it's the other thing. He shot himself in the head and then Carrie shot himself in the chest. 
in real life. Yeah. Um, and Carey shot himself in the, uh, in the in the yard. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I don't know his apartment or something like that where Chris, um, committed suicide. Yeah, Chris. Chris never. I mean, Chris didn't really want to rest. He just didn't have the. To hear Kevin tell it, I don't remember yeah. if he Sounds said like- Chris didn't want to wrestle or Chris did love wrestling, but he just didn't have the body for it. Yeah, I'm I'm reading it and he was like 5'4 with asthma and like brittle bone yeah, disease. He, he just wasn't physically able to do it, but they needed another Von Erich. <laughs> yeah, that that 100% sounds like they, they definitely merged Mike and, and Chris then. Um, and, and when I looked into this afterwards, I was like, wow, there were five Von Erichs that died? And then I look it up and I'm like, wait, what the fuck? Who's Chris? There was a sixth one? Yeah. Polish. <laughs> yeah. And it really like, is. Four Von Erichs that died? Um, so I was like, even, I was flabbergasted when I found out just the fact that there was like another one. Yeah. Um, and then when I looked into it, the the director was just like, if we if we had another suicide in there, it would have been, people would have been like, this is not real. This is like yeah. totally out there. And it, it, I, I kind of understand that like how much, how much is really being added by adding in another suicide in there um and then also making your movie probably 30 minutes longer creating another character that's interacting with the family but at the same time if you're trying to tell the story of the family i understand that and that's that's like a weird i i I totally understand that and i Mm. would i would 100 percent dock points for this not being like fully faithful by leaving out a entire member of the family um yeah well especially if you're saying that that mike um like actually did do a lot more wrestling like went to israel and and wrestled they made it look like mike just wrestled in like one yeah as soon as he got out debut or something like that um you know he's just trying it out and and got hurt and then had this toxic so that kind of felt like sort of rushed and I don't know. That kind of felt worse than I think if you would have like told another brother's story, mm-hmm. um, and just had him be like another David, um, and have him actually go to like Israel, wrestle around, do a bunch of other stuff, and then have that issues happen. I I, I don't know. It yeah. it probably could have worked. I, I think it could have worked. Yeah, it just seems I, I like a weird thing so. to like, and kind of a big thing to omit. You know? Oh, I totally agree. I and. I don't know if I 100% agree with the, the, the direct. I agree with like what he was thinking, but I don't know. If you're telling a real story, why presume that people are going to be oh, like, Oh, it's unbelievable. Who's going to buy in at at a family of, of five where this tragedy happened, but not buy in with a family of six? Yeah. yeah right? And like, <laughs> even if, even if <laughs> someone's like, Oh, that's unbelievable. And then they Google it and find out that it's real. You know what the reaction is like? Oh yeah. shit! <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. This is crazy. What happened? Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, I think it would have been fine. I mean, unless they were trying to say like, it's going to be unbelievable that, which I think it's already unbelievable that with four kids dying, that, well, even like two or three, that the parents still have like no reaction to like, seemingly no reaction. Yeah, they were like cartoonishly like, there's stoic. There's a little bit. Like, yeah. but they're just like, I gotta choke back tears because if I cry, I'm weak. And the dad's like, don't, don't let them see you cry, brother. 
It's like you can't let them see your emotions. <coughs> oh, it's like uh, he, he was. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Cartoonishly, like on the. I think he had to go like, either being, one way or the other. Yeah, like either really do a hit piece on him and commit all the way, or show him in his full. Um, I mean, depth he's dead. Of, so there's yeah, just not a ton of nuance <laughs> to many of the performances, really. So, like, I, this is a movie I really wanted to like. Um, there's good stuff about it, and then there's a lot of not so good stuff about it. Yeah. If I if I had to rate it, it's a hard it story is a hard to story to tell. It's not in two mm-hmm. hours. I I don't know if this. Was yeah. Possible. So, like, at a certain point, you have to kind of like realize you've bit off more than you can chew, and like, I don't know, maybe try to break it up into two parts or. Or do something. I I don't know. Re re reframe. You know, re um, set up your movie yeah. with a different maybe structure. maybe start um, it like at the peak of their fame and kind of explore it a little bit more from that angle, and then get into all the deaths. I don't I don't know how. I could. There's, there's probably a way to do it better. Yeah, and I think that gets to the root of it. Was there's a lot of creativity that. I feel what could be put into this movie it, to improve it that I did not feel was there. Um, it is a testament to the the extraordinary circumstances of this story that even as it is, um, it's compelling and uh, heart wrenching. Yeah. Even told through what I would feel is a a mid level um, cinema experience. Yeah. Um, I like, I, again, there's like touches here and there of like really good scenes. There's, you know, Kevin and David in the bathroom in David's last scene. Yeah. You know, where they have that heart to heart. Maybe it's a little cliche, but I'm fine with that. It's It was really good emotional um, close-up scene. I like the subtle, I, I you know, I like that kind of subtle touch um, when they're uh when they're wrestling rick uh rick flair and um doris kind of in the background while she's watching the tv it's david's ghost sitting on the stairs kind of uh watching on she turns around and he's gone and you know maybe it's a little too theatrical but i kind of i kind of wanted that Uh, i want a little more of that because it's again it's also an a24 movie and they are no strangers to abstraction and yeah um surreal imagery to to help sell the themes of their movies it's kind of funny you mentioned that because um there was an issue with the tone mapping on the original version of the movie we watched so everything was like purple and green and we weren't sure right away that that wasn't just how the movie was because it's an a24 movie (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah um Um, i i was just Scrolling through IMDb because we always like to look at the trivia yeah. and errors and goofs the goofs. And um, there were over fifty factual errors yeah. um, that that are listed here. Um, a lot with Carrie. Um, I'm sure mm-hmm. there's more now that I realize that it was a tab that said it was all about Carrie, and then I saw a tab that said fifty <laughs> more. I said, oh, oh, okay. I'm not reading all yep. of them. Um, but yeah, there were definitely a lot, like like big stuff. Like Carrie was married with with two kids. Yeah, yeah they all um, they all had oh, you know a lot of them had his marriage had fallen uh, apart. Yeah, uh, like right before he killed himself, so that contributed to it. Uh, but they don't show that yeah, at so all. 
Um, I know the movie is framed around Kevin, not Carrie, but could have potentially been interested to follow Carrie a little bit in the WWF or at least make a bigger deal that he made it to the WWF. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they just kind of do that off screen. And um, I kind of, I'm kind of like leaning more towards like a big part of why we're seeing it like this is because it was told yeah. by Kevin and there is that like this this um not from any malicious the intent, a gaze there's, yeah there's a bias yeah. it's it's a it's a bias like he saw it through his lens well so, um, so this is kind of where I encourage you guys to go watch the the documentary episode cuz that mm-hmm. is told like largely by Kevin like he's sitting down in okay. a chair sure. saying the words himself and I didn't get the perspective watching that that he would try so, to make the story overtly about him. Do you think then that this is the bias of Sean Durkin who wrote and directed this? Uh yeah, potentially. Or he f- he felt he needed it, to make the movie focus a lot I, on I, the I, one that lived maybe? I don't know. I well, I bet you I bet you there was a lot of like okay, you're telling me all this information about your whole family. I we can't have it focus on on five different people. Like we're gonna be all over the place. So we need to condense it to be a little bit more mm-hmm. digestible in two hours. which really I think hurt. I agree with you guys. Yeah. It definitely hurts this movie. And especially after learning more about their, their family. Um definitely hurts it more um than than it helps. Uh yeah, they, they it had to be either structured very differently or I, I, it need to be like a part two. Yeah, I kind of like extra half hour and then mm-hmm. structured very differently. Yeah, I kind of would like an idea of like five chapters separated by intertitles, each one focusing on one of the family members. Yeah, on a brother. That might be like a. Kinda, that might be a different way. You know, might be a unique way to do it, where you, that lets you jump what back and forth in time and connect things thematically instead of chronologically. Yeah. Um. I I will say um. Kind of to cap it off after so you know it ends with a movie showing that you know kevin did he he was able to prosper and um serve you know thrive through adversity and um have the family that he always wanted you know in the end and live in in hawaii like the they show his place in the documentary and it's it's fucking nice like he's he 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 earned it for sure but he's yep. he's living the good life now. <laughs> yeah. Um, to that, I kind of want to add, because I've been reading just the kind of summary Wikipedia article about it. Um, the family had three third-generation wrestlers, they, uh, Ross, Marshall, and Lacey. And yeah. to as a, as a kind of palate cleanser, they all have had um, fine, successful wrestling careers that have, <laughs> that have been safe. They've been... They've been okay. They're doing all right. Because the they kids are all right. Well, because yeah. they changed their last name. Well, yeah. yeah, sure. <laughs> well, yeah. That Zach was the Efron one. broke the curse. He broke the witch's curse when he... But Von Eric wasn't hospital. his last name. His real last name. It was his ring name. No, I know, but he changed it back. He changed it back <laughs> to his... But it'd be kind of weird to name your... Have your kids have the last name of your, your gimmick. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, I just wanted to add on like the yeah. the, the third generation. Like it, the, yeah, well, it, it's worked did out. Did they did they did he 
did Fritz legally like change his last name to Von Erich? I don't. I, I don't think so because so, the all their last names are like Addison or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, so that's that's the Iron Claw. Um, lot really great story. Um, as it exists in in real life. Um. Mm-hmm. Sorry, what was the claw supposed to do? It's a it's a grab Crush, move. Yeah, you're their crushing head. their their head. And a similar they, a similar move by a, another unfortunate uh, unfortunately past wrestler, which as we keep watching wrestling movies is going to keep coming up. The the deceased end was um, uh, Bray Wyatt uh, as the fiend, the mandible claw. Well, that's McFoley's move. Similar. Oh, McFoley. Okay, I guess yeah. I've never squeezed my head, so I don't well, really know. Well, so. I think one of them, I don't maybe it was David, um, had like a party trick kind of thing where he could like with his hand crush like an apple or something like that, or like some like heavy stone fruit. I, they did show the trying to rip the phone move, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's practicing ripping move. his phone move, yeah. Like he had crazy grip strength. Hoping- but yeah, the idea of the iron claw is that you're just like crushing their skull in. I was I was waiting for the promo of when he like perfected it to be like oh, I'm gonna come for you. Yeah, but they don't they don't really pay off a lot of things they set up in this movie. Yeah. Nah, nah, they kinda, um. No. So oh. yeah, maybe not the best movie. Um. Still probably worth a watch if you're curious with the story. Uh, again, big recommendation to watch the Dark Side of the Ring episode on the Von Erichs because I think if you're really just interested in the story, uh, it's yeah. it's the better presentation of that. Um, and, uh, until that's going to be a wrap for this episode yeah. until next yeah. time, uh, be well, stay safe and party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye-bye.